Thank you, Maria. Well, good morning, church. That's a little weak. Good morning, church. It's good to see you here. And you notice I said church, not churches. Good morning, church. We are one in Christ. Amen. Amen. And we are so glad to be here in God's house. And uh, we are continuing this morning on a series that I have uh, entitled Through Dark Days. Through Dark Days. And um, subtitle, I like my subtitles, Learning and Growing in the Midst of Trials. Learning and Growing in the Midst of Trials. Did you hear that last song by Joe? Wonderful. My only hope is Jesus. Well, that's, that's the essence of this series, because we are going through dark days. We know it. I don't have to go into a recap of the global pandemic, which has hit virtually every country in the world. Certainly, we keep our eye here, as we, those of you who uh, live in Cardiff, I happen to live in England, so I traveled down But uh, I texted uh, Pastor Kevin last night and said, uh, Lord willing, I will not be stopped at the border. And uh, he he gave a thumbs up and the prayer hands. And so that was that was good. But uh, but but I was uh, and praise the Lord, I was not stopped at the border. Amen. And so um, we are here with you today. The uh, story goes like this. There's there was a seminary professor. And his student, his student had turned in a sermon with a dull, uninspired title. Now, let me back up here. The title of the uh, sermon today is Knocked Down, But for God's Glory. Knocked Down, But for God's Glory. Back to my story. So this, this, uh, this young man, he knew was capable of better. So he stayed after him. To keep working, the professor said the title is crucial. It must build interest in our listeners. Intriguing, relevant, powerful. Take it back, rework it. Because it was an uninspired sermon title. Well, the professor sighed. He said this, not, it's not terribly difficult, son. Picture your sermon title in great bold letters on the signboard of your church. Sunday morning, and here comes a bus filled with people, a coach, just passing by. You want a sermon title so powerful, so compelling, so intriguing, that everyone on that bus will come pouring down the steps and come into the church. They can't resist the compelling catching title. So he asked the student, do you, have, do you have the image? Do you get it? Well, the student thought long and hard, and next day he bounds into the classroom with a new title page for the professor. It read, there's a bomb on your bus. <laughs> All right. Funny, but oh so true in our lives. We're sailing along life's highway, and... Boom, something explodes. And we all know, as I have said, and as we are living through it, we are going through a global pandemic. Never before had, had, have had anything like this. But a huge test or trial rears its ugly head, and it can feel like a bomb going off in your life or mine. 
Perhaps you are going through a test of trial that's so deep and so dark right now that this could describe you. After the explosion, as it were, we're no longer even certain where the bus is heading and or if, it, if we will ever arrive where we were going. But we learn that after these bomb blasts, that the road goes on. And it will rise to many more peaks and fall to the bottom of many more valleys, this side of heaven. It will cross the bridges into new lands that you have never imagined. A week ago, Monday night, good friends of ours back in Springfield, Missouri, Ray and Beth Adams, I went to Bible college with both of them a few years back. Won't say how many, quite a few years back. Wonderful people. Lovely people and strong faith in Christ. Ray is teaching at the college I went to, Baptist Bible College, which also our pastor Rick Owens attended and graduated from. Also J.A. Richards, same college, Springfield, Missouri. And so that's where I came across Ray and Beth Adams. Well, a week ago Monday night, Beth Adams was driving her car to church to Cherry Street Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. That's where they attended. Ray was also on staff at that church. He's a pastor, as well as teaching at the Bible College. And they were going to meet at the church and then make calls on people that Monday night, a week ago Monday night. Well, a box van barreled through a stop sign getting away from policemen and hit Beth Adams, Beth Adams' car. And she was tragically killed a week ago Monday night. Now, this, these were, as I said, these were a couple that loved Christ with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. But as we know, absent from the body, present with the Lord. But it's always hardest on the ones left behind. And we pray for that family. They have now lost, Ray's lost his wife. They've lost a mother. They've lost a grandmother. And all the things that she did within the church and at the college as well. So the journey, my point is, will be anything but carefree. Tears, illness, loss, hardships, broken dreams, those deep valleys, those dark days will be places of spiritual dryness and warfare, things David faced as he wrote Psalm 30. So if you have your Bibles, Maria read the first six verses. Psalm 30. Let me pick up with verse 7 of Psalm 30. Verse 7, Psalm 30, God's word says, Lord, by your favor you have made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face and I was troubled. I cried out to you, O Lord, and to the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my blood when I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? 
Will it declare your truth? Hear, O Lord, and have mercy on me. Lord, be my helper! Exclamation mark. Verse 11, you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth, you have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness to the end that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you, listen to it, forever. Praise the Lord. From hurting to healing. This beautiful psalm is a song of praise for affliction and for rescue. So that's why I have it as part of this series, Through Dark Days. David sings praise while looking back in a time of spiritual crisis in his life. Psalm 30 has a profoundly moving theme of healing. We are not certain what healing David might have required. It may have been that he experienced some kind of illness. We do find clues spread through other psalms that he had to cope with health problems at times, as each of us do, certainly. Here in Psalm 30 and verse 8, we read David's prayer to move from hurting to healing. Again, verse 8, I cried out to you, O Lord, and to the Lord I made supplication. Well, let's look at three aspects of this healing, shall we? Prayer, praise, and the purpose for healing. Prayer, praise, and the purpose for healing. The prayer for healing, as David prays in his sickness, he argues with God, Lord, why do you keep me ill? Now, certainly I won't call for a show of hands, but certainly none of us would have ever done this. Oh, we probably have. Why must I go on like this? I believe I could worship and praise you better with good health. Have you ever perhaps posited that to the Lord? His argument isn't totally self-serving. He is saying, if you save me, you'll have one more worshiper in this world to bring honor and glory to your name. And we do the same. Don't you want to bless me, Lord, so I can serve you better? So I can give a great testimony for you? If we don't say it, we may think it. But he finally realizes his futility in negotiating with the creator of the universe. Verse 10 again reads, Hear, O Lord, and have mercy on me. Lord, be my helper. He simply pleads to God for mercy. No bargaining, no deals, simply a heartfelt plea for mercy. We've all been there. If you have ever been seriously ill, these are the words that finally find their way to your lips. At the end of the day, you find yourself at the bottom looking up. So David prays for healing. There's also praise, P-R-A-I-S-E, for healing. 
In verse 4, he offers up praise for healing. Again, verse 4, sing praise to the Lord, you, you saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. He's probably had a narrow escape with death. And he says in verse 1, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up. The phrase lifted up from the Hebrew is the same expression that is used for dipping a bucket down a well and drawing water. In essence, he's saying, Lord, you reached down to the darkest depths and pulled me right out of the pit, is really what he's saying. And he's a happy camper, and who wouldn't be after something like that? This is the joy you feel when you've been snatched from the jaws of death. And some of us, some of you have been there. You have some, you've had loved ones who have been there. Years ago, Vicki went back to the States when we were ministering in Puerto Rico to help her sister who had a terrible accident. And so she flew back to the States to help her sister. They lived just outside of Washington, D.C. So Vicki flew in. She was going to stay maybe a couple, three weeks to really try and get her, you know, give her some help. But during that time, Vicki got ill. And she went into the doctors because it, it wasn't normal of the things she was going through. Well, they ran some tests. And wow, they said, do you have a primary care doctor back in Springfield, Missouri, which is where we have our home base, which is where she's at now? And she said yes, because they, they found something very, very alarming. And so she flew, she flew into Springfield, Missouri. They ran tests. Long story less long, she had a giant tumor, which she knew nothing about. And so the, the day she goes in for surgery, and obviously before that, we have a lot of people praying for her, praying for healing, because they were most certain that it, would, it was cancerous. We have a cancer surgeon in our sending church back in Springfield, Missouri. He said he looked at the x-rays and he looked at, at the, the charts and all, and he said it was textbook cancer. And he's a cancer surgeon. Well, several hours later, she comes out of surgery and the doctor comes and gives us the word, no cancer. None. They removed a tumor. They, they described it this way. The size of a small baby's head is that large. No cancer. And so our cancer surgeon in our church, who is a strong believer, said, Bill and Vicki, it was textbook cancer. But God. Amen. But God had other plans. He could have easily have taken her home to heaven. But if it was cancerous, and they were all they were 99% sure it was, he healed her of that, and she's with us today. 
Praise the Lord. But some of you have been there praying for a loved one. Does he always heal? No. He's sovereign God. He can do whatever he wants. But we're so thankful as David was as she was healed that day. Listen, you and I are here this morning on the good pleasure and sheer grace of Almighty God. Can I get an amen? Amen. Lord God, thank you for keeping me alive through another day. I pray every time I get on the M6, and then I transition to the M5, and then I transition to the M50, and I think I told, who was it, Josh? We're talking about this? Or no, no, who, who, who knew where I go to Costa? Was it you? Who? Uh, who knows? Who was I talking to? Anyway, sorry. I had a thought there. I stop at Acosta just before I get down to the M50. And I got my cup of coffee again this morning. But my point is, I pray, and we pray, you pray, parents and grandparents. You pray for your children and grandchildren. You pray for their safety. I pray for my children every single day for their protection, their safety. As I do when I travel up and down these motorways. And when I get home on a Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening coming up from Cardiff. I pull into our drive and I always say thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Don't take for granted the mercies of God. Because they are abundant. Well, the purpose for healing. David moves from hurting to healing. Then he reflects upon the purpose of his healing. Verse 4. Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his. Give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. Yes, healing has a purpose. We, like a little child, we scamper off many times without saying thanks. How many times, parents, have you trained your children, when they were young especially? But even now, when they're old, I still give them a little nudge. You need to say thank you. You need to tell Mrs. Jones, thank you, whatever it is. Even now, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, Dad, yeah, you're right. When God intervenes in our lives, he always has a good reason for it. When the healing comes, we cannot and we must not forget our heartfelt promises and thanks. Do not forget to thank the Lord for his many blessings. Well, then he goes from weeping to joy. Psalm 30 can be seen also as a study in contrasts. The first one David talks about takes us from hurting to healing. Next, he takes us from weeping to joy. And for that, we come to that beloved verse 5. Maria read it. For his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy, joy comes in the morning. Praise you, Lord. We normally associate weeping with sadness and laughter with joy, do we not? Yet we can experience both of these things in a brief span of time. This is an everyday truth. Life is full, and I don't have to tell you this, but it's full of roller coaster ups and downs. We know that. If you've lived for any length of time, you know that's, that it's true. 
Pain is so painful partly due to its feeling of permanence. Think of it. David is saying here in verse 5, hang in there, hold on tight, don't give up, you'll get through this. And I've seen it many years in ministry. Pastor Kevin has seen it in ministry. Pastor Rick has seen it. At hospitals and gravesides. Mm. The grieving families. Especially the funerals for a younger person. You know, young people are supposed to outlive their parents. Sometimes they do not. And I think to myself, it will never, ever be the same for those dear people. About seven years ago, we were in the States on what we call furlough. That's what Pastor Rick and Jamie are on, furlough, back in the States now. And we are with our eldest daughter and her husband, when they lived in South Carolina, they now live in North Carolina, but she was pregnant with their first child. Oh, the joy. It's their first child. Well, she got very ill. Vicki was with her. I was with her. We rushed her to the hospital. And Vicki went into the room with our daughter, Brittany. She was experiencing some major pain. And a little while later, she had a miscarriage and lost the baby. That's devastating. This is our baby girl losing her first child. And we felt so bad for Brittany and so bad for Jeremy. But two years later, God gave them a beautiful baby girl. Her name is Piper Grace. Her middle name is Grace. And she is a gorgeous child. Of course, I'm a proud grandfather, so I will say that, but she is. And she's, she's just, she's clever. She's, she talks to everybody. They'll be going through a McDonald's, and she'll want to say hello to the McDonald's worker. Oh, please, Mom, I want to say hello. Oh, hello. You know, it's sometimes almost embarrassing because she, she comes up to people, strangers, and says, Hi, my name is Piper. What's yours? <laughs> Cutest thing. What a blessing. And then two years after that, they're blessed with a handsome baby boy, Barrett Thomas. Blonde hair. Oh, he's all boy. He loves trucks. He's, he's all over the place. But my point is this. Sometimes when you have a tragedy, you think, that's it. I'll never get through it. Or you view families and you think, as a pastor, I, you know, we, I, you see quite a bit, that the family will never get through it, but they do because of God. Because of his grace, his mercy, his love. Yeah, a year passes. I watch the family closely of those that I've had funerals for. I can see that somehow God has brought them back from the depths. He has restored some joy and gladness. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. 
God's powers of comfort and strengthening and healing are amazing. Because he is amazing. This is an eternal truth. It's an everyday truth, but it's also an eternal one. Jesus is coming back. He's going to set it all straight. And we all say amen to that. Revelation 21, 4, I'll just read it to you. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Revelation 21, verse 4. No more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. Praise the Lord. What a verse. What a great God. Well, the morning turns into dancing. Verse 11, Psalm 30. You have turned for me my morning, David writes, into dancing. You have put put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. Well, this is linked up with 2 Samuel chapter 6. We don't have time to turn there. But here King David is entering the city with the Ark of the Covenant. It is a victory parade. People are cheering. The king is decked out in his clerical garments. Oh, there's joy. And David dances with all his might before the Lord. Now we as Baptists, we get a little bit, ooh, he danced. Maybe you Calvary people are a little, uh, you know, you're, you know, a little more with that. Uh, but, you know, sometimes as bad as we're like, ooh, he danced. Not a usual item that we have for a Baptist church. It's not ballroom dancing. It's not break dancing. It's not disco. This was godly dancing, a physical expression of abounding excitement for God's mighty deeds. Chris Tomlin, perhaps most of you have heard of him, singer-songwriter, Christian singer-songwriter, co-authored a a book entitled Holy Roar. It's a good read, Holy Roar. Well, with his co-author, Tomlin started to, to think, what does praise mean to God? That's a good question. And so they go back into the Old Testament, What praise meant. It was a time of more than just singing. It was a declaration. A time to fully embody praise to God for who he is. And for what he has done. There are seven Hebrew words. Seven. That are translated into our English Bible as praise. But there are seven distinct Hebrew words. That are all of them. Slightly different, seven different Hebrew words in the Old Testament that are translated in our English Bible as just praise. And so Tomlin and his co-author write this book, Holy Roar. One of those is halal. I should have checked with our Hebrew scholar if I'm saying that correctly with uh, Dr. Cross. Halal. It means this, to boast, to rave, to shine, to celebrate. 
Psalm 149, verse 3, let them praise, there's our Hebrew word, halal, let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with timbrel and harp. This, I believe, is exactly the type of praising we see here in Psalm 30 and verse 11. David dances with all his might before the Lord. The ark was among the people, and this was no time to be somber or quiet. They loved it. They're praising the Lord. Well, then we go from silence to singing. Final verse of Psalm 30 leaves us with one last profound truth. And here it is. We should never keep silent in the light of God's blessings. Verse 12, to the end that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent, O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you. How long? Forever. If your life is filled with joy, give thanks to God. If your life is filled with pain and tears, give thanks to God. Joy and sadness are temporary conditions, but praise and thanksgiving are permanent expressions. When we finally come to understand the truth, that truth, and begin to praise God in the midst of all things, Romans 8 and verse 28 speaks of that, we often find that circumstances themselves change in our favor. Through faith in God, we know that pain is temporary. And that joy will come in the morning. Conclusion. I worked at a zoo back in Chicago, so I love, I love zoos. I love animals. One of God, God's creation is so expansive and so awesome, but animals, wow. And there, there are some peculiar animals out there, lovely animals. I want to call for a show of hands of dogs and cats. I'm a, I'm, we, are a, we are dog lovers, but uh, there, is, there's, there are many more animals than dogs and cats. Did you know? Well, one of these animals is called the giraffe. God is just so awesome. The giraffe is a wonderful creation from the mind of God. When a female giraffe gives birth, it is quite exceptional. Gary Richmond wrote an article on giraffe calves, C-A-L-V-E-S, giving birth. At point of delivery, the calf falls, listen to it, 10 feet. <laughs> Usually landing on its back. The mother giraffe gives birth to its young standing up, and so the distance from the birth canal to the ground is about 10 feet. Boom. The calf lies there for a few moments, kind of getting its bearings. It scrambles over to get its legs underneath it so it could take a look around and check out his new world. The mother then lowers her head to see the baby. Then moves until she's towering directly over the calf. Wait for it. About a minute passes, then the mother swings her great long leg. And, oh, her legs are really long. 
outward and boots her baby calf into the air. She would make any Chelsea fan proud with a boot like that, let me tell you. The calf sprawls head over heels across the ground, puzzled, protesting. The explanation from seasoned zookeepers is this. The mother giraffe wants the baby to get up. And if he doesn't get up, she's going to do it again. Sure enough, the process is repeated again and again. The baby struggles to rise only to be kicked across the ground. Finally, amidst the cheers of the animal care staff, the calf stood up for the first time. Wobbly for sure, but there it stood on, the, on its little spindly legs. And then gobsmacked, they witnessed the mother kicking it off its feet. This sounds cruel and unusual, but knowing these animals, it is what they do. A zoologist explained to Richmond that the mother wants the baby to remember how it got up. That's why she knocked it down again and again. To remember how to get up. Doesn't God nurture us in just the same rough way sometimes? But listen to it. God is too loving to be cruel. God is too wise to be unfair. But the actions can seem sometimes cold and cruel. But we do know this. God is loving, gracious, merciful, kind, long-suffering. We struggle to, to our feet after going through a dark day. After experiencing a test or trial. And it seems that we're knocked down again. And we, we cry, Lord, what's going on? Our Heavenly Father knows that love must be tough and it must take the long view. God knows the days will be dark and we must be sturdy travelers to stay on our feet. We must not forget how we got to where we are. Perhaps you've received blow after blow and it seems that God kicked you when you were down. It appears that way. It could well be that God is toughening you up, preparing you for future warfare. Because remember this, we, this is not a playground, this is a battlefield. This side of heaven. I trust you will face your next great trial and I will face my next great trial, our next dark day with a new perspective. The next time things look down, look up and pray this. Lord, I've been taken by surprise. Life has thrown me a curve, and it's a hard thing for me to cope with right now. Even so, I will praise your blessed name. Whatever comes my way, joy or sorrow, I will confidently praise your name. No matter how dark the days, I will praise your name. I was thinking of my father's favorite hymn, we... we played this at his funeral. I preached his funeral about a year and a half ago. 
Horatio Spafford. Some of you know that name. He, he wrote the hymn, It Is Well. I read just a few lines, but before I do that, a quick story is Horatio Spafford lost his wife and children in a ship accident. That ship went down. They were lost at sea. Horatio Spafford then, sometime later, takes a ship and they go pretty much in that same area where that ship went down. And he is led by the Lord to pen the hymn, It Is Well. Now get the context. He lost his wife and children. And in that same area, he writes this, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, you have taught me to say, It is well. It is well with my soul. Second verse, though Satan should buffet if trial should come, lest this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. Fourth stanza, for me, be it Christ, be it Christ hence to live. If Jordan above me shall roll, no pang shall be mine, for in death as in life. You will whisper your peace to my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for Psalm 30. We thank you that this Psalm of David takes us in several different directions, but at the end of the day, He is praising you as we need to do, even through the dark days, the dark times. Because, Lord, ultimately, it's all about you. It's not about us. And I pray, oh, Father, I pray our hearts go out to these who are even seated before me today, who are going through dark times, dark days. We don't take it lightly, no. But, we, Lord, I pray for them. We lift them up to you. And, and these many who are going through this COVID-19 here in Cardiff, throughout Great Britain, yea, through the world, we pray for them. And our hearts go out to them. But Father, for other tests and trials that are going on within the saints' lives, within people who know Christ as Savior, I pray, Lord, that they would look to you as their sovereign, as their king, as their all in all, and praise you with everything they have. Maybe not understanding why the test is going on, but knowing that you are sovereign God and it's under total control. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.